My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Saroja Coelho, a journalist with the CBC, and right now I'm in the chair hosting Frontburner, CBC's daily news podcast, the program that made the Naked Emperor. We've got a bonus episode for you today, and it comes after the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchange took a major blow. Binance and its Canadian founder are being sued by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The company's CEO, Changpeng Zhao, or CZ as he's known, is the richest man in Canada and one of the richest people in the world. He and his company are accused of enriching themselves by billions while placing investors' assets at significant risk. Binance says it will fight back, quote, vigorously. The SEC is also suing Coinbase. That's America's largest crypto trading platform. So on Front Burner, we interviewed Jacob. He's the host of The Naked Emperor. And we thought that since you liked his show, you might be interested in this as well. Hi, Jacob. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's start with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC. What are they alleging Binance and its CEO, CZ, have done? Well, it's really a wide-ranging series of, of offenses. These are This is a civil complaint, we should make clear. These aren't uh, crimes that are being alleged. But the main accusations surround Binance essentially concealing some of its operations, both in the U.S. and around the world, that it violates securities laws, that a lot of the... Of the money coming into the Binance US platform, which was supposed to be separate from what they call Binance Global, was actually then controlled by CZ and would pass between various entities controlled by CZ and another Binance executive who was in China for for most of that time. They're claiming that Binance is unlawfully functioning as a securities market. The second charge, according to them, is offering unregistered crypto assets. And then the third point is misleading investors, uh, making investors believe that it is a adequately protected uh, database. Keep in mind that this is the largest crypto exchange out there around the globe right now. And so the SEC is saying that Binance mishandled funds did not uh, protect consumers and so that's having a negative so it's really a wide-ranging complaint i think there are more than 13 civil charges and it, it's not the first also because the cftc another american regulator filed a complaint and it seems like there may be more on the way so uh it, it's a huge sort of shot across the bow for for binance and even though the company has maintained only a small business in the u.s and has already pulled out of canada it's a major challenge for the company I understand that part of this is actually taking the funds that clients had trusted Binance with and using them in in what appears to be a pretty cavalier way. Yeah, they've been accused of commingling funds, which is something that FTX is also accused of and Sam Bankman-Fried, which essentially involves taking the funds that are supposed to be securely in a bank account that belong to people who went on your platform and bought crypto using real money and then taking those funds and using them for basically any other purpose or you know for trading or operations of the company 
I, I think the problem we see with Binance, or at least the, the larger picture that's being painted here, is that we don't always know where the money is coming from or going, and that includes user funds. And CZ in particular seems to be in control of a number of shell companies and bank accounts that seem to handle the money. And I, I once again, Binance US was supposed to be sort of hived off from Binance Global and was supposed to be operating separately. Uh, one thing that's become apparent through this latest SEC uh, lawsuit is that actually Catherine Coley, the former American CEO of Binance US, seems to be testifying or cooperating with the SEC. And it's likely that other em former employees are as well. What's really become visible to us in this complaint is some of the internal culture and that dismissal of authority around regulation. I want to read you an exchange between two employees of Binance, and this is included in the SEC complaint against the company. So what we've got is the company's chief compliance officer writing to another employee here, and he writes, We are operating as an effing unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro. If that statement is true, what is the significance of it? Uh, very simply, it means they violate securities laws knowingly. So that that's pretty serious. Um, that's certainly enough for a fine or being banned from doing business in the U.S. in some form. Uh, and there may be criminal charges to follow. I mean, one thing that I think is notable is that there's been reporting in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere that CZ himself is is being investigated. As we know, he's he's named in the civil complaint personally. So I, I think it's important to realize that it seems that they knew what they were doing. I mean, there's been reporting in Forbes in the past on something called the Tai Chi strategy, which is sort of like Binance set up these these Potemkin operations in, in the U.S. and other places where they would establish local affiliates. They would promise to be in compliance. But really, a lot of the control was coming from Binance Global and from CZ and, and other senior Binance executives. And that seems to be the pattern that's been repeated and, and what happened here. Something that is very unclear to me at this point is why you have government officials using a civil complaint. Why aren't charges being laid here? Why are they suing instead? I think it's a legitimate question of why hasn't something happened on the criminal end? And people are asking that question not only about Binance, but about other companies like Celsius, which collapsed very infamously last year and which American regulators have already called a Ponzi scheme. There could be a sealed indictment against uh, CZ and uh, we know that there was an ongoing criminal investigation of the Department of Justice, and there's been some reporting indicating that there's debate about what to do. I mean, this is a geopolitical and potential national security story as well. Uh, CZ does not come to North America, it seems. His father died a year or two ago in Canada. CZ did not come for the funeral, and it was he claimed that it was because of COVID restrictions. But I think it is rather notable that he has not come to the U.S. or Canada, at least publicly, in some time. So what you're implying there is that he's trying to avoid being vulnerable to arrest. Absolutely. And I think that's pretty clear from his travels. Uh, he does travel a lot, but he's based in Dubai. Uh, the company is famously kind of opaque about its operations. This is something mentioned in the C CFTC complaint. They actually use the word opaque, I believe. And for a long time, no one really knew where Binance was based. It had no official headquarters. More recently, it's set up sort of hubs, as they call them, in Dubai, where CZ lives, and in Paris. Uh, there are photos of CZ having dinner with uh, Emmanuel Macron. So um, it, it's very much tied into, into politics, frankly. And, you know, it is possible if CZ uh, ends up coming to the U.S. that 
there could be charges brought against him. But I think for now, the the civil angle is is the one being pursued by a number of regulatory agencies, not just in the U.S., but also overseas. What has Binance said in its defense? Binance w- will tell this story, and this is from my own reporting and from what you see in, in press, that they'll they'll say, hey, we were a little messy in our early years and that we grew so fast. Like a lot of crypto companies, they did grow enormously fast and that they had to move around a bit. They were forced out of China when a lot of crypto companies were. And so it was a, a messy growth process and they weren't always doing things by the book, but there was no malevolence involved and that U.S. authorities and regulators aren't willing to work with the company. That's the general narrative and response you'll see both in CZ's own tweets and blog posts and elsewhere. Uh, I think what, what people respond with and what the government has responded with is, look, we have actual evidence that your banking practices are suspicious, that there are a lot of strangely named shell companies that seem to be on your bank accounts, that there's a mysterious official at your company who's in charge of all the finances, and that you weren't separate from your U.S. operations, among many other things, just like that message you read out earlier from a Binance official. I mean, it's clear that people are talking to the U.S. government, perhaps because they've been subpoenaed or perhaps because they want to cooperate. And it's clear that they have access to internal communications from some Binance executives. So it's really hard to say, even if you're a defender of Binance, that there's nothing here. Finances, offshore operations seem to be at the core of a lot of this. Maybe you could flesh that out for me a little bit. Yeah, I think it's important to note once again that Binance is the largest crypto exchange in the world. How you quantify that can really vary, but some days they have 70% of all spot trading volume, basically of of crypto trading volume. But Binance has always been this kind of opaque, amorphous entity. Um, You know, where are they based? Who really owns Binance? Why are there all these companies that seem to be associated with it? Those have often been questions asked about it, just as they were eventually asked about FTX, frankly. And those questions have always existed. And Binance, frankly, hasn't always done a good job at settling them. Sometimes they'll even admit that and say, you know, just like we were a little messy in our early operations, we haven't always been the best communicator. That That's another one of their of their replies, I would say, or sort of justifications for how things have developed the way they have. But you know, Binance has entities in the, in the Cayman Islands, in Malta, in, in the British Virgin Islands, in, in sort of the usual tax shelters. And while we know that a lot of their employees seem to be in Southeast Asia and now in, in France, too, there still is a lack of clarity of really how they operate and who might be in charge besides CZ. A lot of those questions are going to continue to be asked over the next little while. What's interesting here is there's a lot of conversation around this dismissal of authority, kind of shrugging off regulation. But isn't the whole point of having companies offshore to free them from national laws and regulations? Absolutely. I don't think you can really deny that. I mean, even companies that go offshore will sometimes say, hey, we have more flexibility where we found a a more... A favorable jurisdiction or regulatory environment. And sometimes those things can mean different things. Like a favorable regulatory environment might mean there are no regulations, or it might mean that a city state like the UAE in this case has established some favorable crypto regulations that Binance has found it can work with. So I think it's well known and no mystery why some companies go overseas. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're operating illegally. But it does also mean that sometimes if they take those overseas business practices and bring them to a more regulated environment like the U.S. or Canada, they might end up being in violation of the law. 
Hey, I'm Joseph Cox, the host of another podcast I think you'll like, the 404 Media Podcast. We're an independent news outlet covering the bleeding edge of technology, and every week we discuss our latest stories. Whether that's how AI images are taking over Facebook and fooling people, how drugs are being sold on Instagram, or the spread of AI-enabled surveillance cameras, we hold tech to account. Catch me and the rest of the 404 Media gang wherever you listen. Just search for the 404 Media Podcast. Chat to you soon. I want to get a little bit better understanding of the man at the core of all of this. I read an old quote from CZ. It was published in McLean's magazine and said, quote, My worldview in most places I've lived has been, if there's no law against it, it's legal. And I can see that there's a simple logic to that. But is this technically the case, given what we've seen unfold over the last couple of days? It's a very sort of tech or crypto guy statement, I must say. I mean, uh, you can sort of hear the libertarian underpinnings there. Uh, And CZ has shown himself to be kind of an old school crypto guy. Um, I got into crypto in 2013 um, uh, when a friend of mine says, uh, CZ, you should consider moving 10% of your net worth into Bitcoin. I looked into it. Um, I didn't do 10%. I went all in. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, it turned out very well for you, obviously. Uh, turned out okay. So, <laughs> talk to me about... Not a big fan of, of uh, regulators or governments or intermediaries. He, he speaks to the values of decentralization and financial independence. And, and frankly, he, he has shown himself to be sympathetic to some of the more conservative or libertarian values that often come with crypto. I think companies also find that they have to follow the law, at least if it's enforced in places like the United States. So if you hope to do business here, you're probably going to end up running into, uh, you know, the immovable object of the regulatory state and the Department of Justice. And that's what Binance is really finding now. Um, This almost harkens back to one of your earlier questions, which is that, you know, companies, especially in crypto now, are talking about going offshore almost as a threat, saying we can't deal with the U.S. legal and regulatory environment. Uh, Binance last month pulled out of Canada saying with sort of some regret since its founder is Canadian, but they didn't find it to be a place where they could do business. And and they're not the only one, but other crypto companies have bragged about how, hey, we can do business here and we're glad to stay. So it becomes a, a sort of political fight and a, and a rhetorical cudgel that, that's used at times like, don't make us go overseas, <laughs> we'll do it. And uh, frankly, I think that there are some people in the U.S. government who wouldn't mind because while crypto is, is a popular political issue at times, it ha- has caused a lot of trouble for American consumers and regulators. How significant is it that the regulatory commission is going after not only Binance, but also its CEO, CZ? I think it's very important. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of shakeup at Binance, but I- I'm not forecasting that for sure. But uh, there was some reporting recently about Binance elevating um, some junior executive in, in sort of forecasting a possible eventual CZ replacement. I mean, this is not necessarily existential, but it could be. It's major for the future of the company. And one thing we found is that even when crypto companies are acting within the law, I mean, this is such a boom and bust industry that as quickly as a, as a company rises to be the number one exchange in the world, as Binance did, it can fall rather quickly. and. I think that's some of the concern here is that even though Binance is mostly based overseas and we're talking about these two different parts of it, Binance US and and Binance Global, you know, the US can have a long reach and it may very well influence the future of Binance and its ability to survive. 
that ever-changing landscape there is a really important piece for understanding this story because not that long ago, FTX was the big, big, big player. That has completely changed over these last six to eight months. So can you give me a sense of just how much of the crypto industry is controlled by Binance? It's a huge player, the most significant crypto exchange in the world. Uh, CZ, I think, is the most powerful person in crypto, even if you don't buy into any of the conspiracy theories surrounding him, which frankly I don't. But he's a, a very influential figure. And I would argue that there are three core pillars right now of crypto, of consumer cryptos that currently exist. There's Binance, there's Tether, and there's Coinbase. You could point to other important companies, but those are really the three big ones. They all face certain challenges, some of them regulatory. And if one of them collapses or runs into major obstacles to doing business and getting people their money back when there's an inevitable bank run on one of these companies, then I think you will see basically some kind of major collapse of consumer crypto beyond what we've already seen. It's interesting that you should mention Coinbase. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's a fascinating development that there's another lawsuit against Coinbase. Briefly, what's happening there? What's alleged? They were also sued this week by the SEC. So this is a big week for regulatory agencies and lawsuits against major crypto companies. Coinbase is important because it's the largest U.S. crypto exchange. It's publicly traded. So it's supposed to be kind of the regulated exchange that anyone can invest in or trade crypto on and that is available to U.S. consumers and is supposed to be a little more user-friendly. There isn't really a gesture towards criminal activity here or major violations beyond the fact that they are supposedly an unlicensed securities exchange, actually very much like that very spicy quote from the Binance executive, and that they were listing unlicensed securities in the form of certain crypto tokens. Beyond that, it's not really as I would say, uh, scandalous, perhaps, as what is suggested in the various complaints against Binance. And I don't think that you're going to likely to see criminal indictments against uh, Coinbase employees, though there was an employee who went to jail for crimes related to insider trading. But uh, it's really saying that the model you're pursuing as an, uh, is essentially that of an unlicensed securities exchange, and we can't tolerate that as a regulatory agency with a mandate of consumer protection. Now, what the industry will say back is, hey, you approved the Coinbase's application to go public, but the SEC has already said just because we approved it doesn't mean we we approved of the underlying business, which sounds perhaps a little evasive, but that's what they're going with right now. Taken collectively, how significant are these lawsuits? They're significant. I think both are potentially existential or critical for these companies. Already, a number of state regulators are kind of banding together and telling Coinbase, you have to cease and desist either your, your entire operations or the certain staking product, which is basically you give them your crypto and they give you a very high interest rate. Um, you know, there are all these financial and bank-like and securities type uh, products that have been rolled out that basically regulators are now saying uh, these put consumers in potential risk and they're not really licensed securities or registered securities. And that's the fundamental problem here. So whether you're talking about the, the more salacious end of what Binance is being accused of, or kind of the more bureaucratic and almost prosaic accusations against Coinbase, they're still very major for both companies and, and um, you know, really put their future operations here at risk. Coinbase has also talked about going overseas um, sort of as a threat. So it seems like we're really thinking about regulation here. What does it mean then when you have the SEC going after Binance? 
I think it means that the SEC one isn't afraid to go after some of the biggest operators in, in crypto, which frankly was a problem for a while. The SEC has operated more as an enforcer uh, and a sort of a cleanup artist since the the great collapse of, of the spring of 2022 and then FTX in the fall. But now they do have a bit of a mandate to do something about some of these operators in industry who people think are in violation of securities laws. It also shows that even though Binance is largely an overseas concern, its operations do touch the U.S. a lot and U.S. regulators could potentially have a lot of influence over how the company runs and whether it can continue to operate. So here we have Binance, this behemoth company uh, in the crypto world, getting sued by the Securities and Exchange Commission. The same regulator is going after another major player, as you described, Coinbase. This year, the regulator has gone after other companies, Kraken, Genesis. And this all comes after that collapse of FTX and its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, in the center of all of that. So given all of this that is erupting right now, what do you think the U.S. authorities are trying to do? I think <laughs> regulators aren't perfect, and there's certainly a lot of political corruption in the U.S., as we've seen by the same Bankman-Fried story. I mean, Sam was on the verge of kind of achieving the regulatory capture he sought, I would argue, with uh, various laws and regulations and how he was trying to steer crypto regulation towards the CFTC, which is a smaller U.S. regulator. Um, so in some ways, I think they're making up for lost time and for some embarrassment that they were uh, allowed to get to that point and a bit of sleep at the wheel. I think people in the industry are saying, where were you before or where was the regulatory clarity that we sought? But from the government perspective, it is a little bit of an easier political environment to now go in and do some enforcement and try to act like the responsible authority that's frankly cleaning up a bit of the mess that crypto may have created on its own. The people at the center of all of this, the center of these crackdowns, are giants in their industry. They are kind of the Bezoses, the, the Zuckerbergs, the jobs of crypto. So what does crypto look like if they are actually brought down? It's very interesting because when I talk to people, I, I hear some really different perspectives from inside the industry versus people outside, especially everyday consumers. And uh, we tried to reflect this in the podcast I did about FTX, which is that you know, a lot of people say in the industry, hey, Sam Bankman-Fried was, was sort of a bad apple or there are some unscrupulous operators, but the technology, the business, um, the, the ideas here are valid and there's a future for consumer crypto. You, you look at the numbers of declining retail interest and then talk to everyday people who have lost their money or frankly consider it a scam or have their money stuck on a platform like FTX. And there's a lot more disillusionment and cynicism. And you can see it in the volumes and in the value of some of these tokens, which is that a lot of the regular consumer interest has left and people aren't necessarily coming back to the casino. Um, there's still money here. And you, you see things like WorldCoin, which is this very hyped crypto project, uh, raised $110 million just a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, just because there's still some money behind crypto and at some of these exchanges, doesn't mean the consumers are going to be there when the industry really needs them and really needs them to grow and achieve like mass adoption. So that's that's the disconnect I see. And, you know, they need these people to come back and, and, and start 
um, buying crypto again. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon. I think it's hard to deny that crypto is really at an inflection point and perhaps a low point for consumer interests. And uh, whatever next life it has, I think will have to be something different. It's an absolutely riveting story and, and so important when we think about global economy. Thank you so much for opening up this part of the story. Glad to. Thank you. That's all for today. I'm Saroja Coelho. Thanks so much for listening to Front Burner. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.